This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Let's get to some Vikings prop bets, gentlemen. All right. Vikings over-unders, Vikings prop bets, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to widen the net for you do a little bit of NFL playoffs here too, just because it's because that includes the Vikings. But let's start with this one. NFL coach of the year. Mike Zimmer, probably one of the prime candidates. There's a bunch of there's been a lot of teams that went from non-playoffs to playoffs this year. You can look at the Jaguars, the Rams. How many coaches or teams coaches, if you don't know the name of like the Bills coach, for instance, mm-hmm. how many Coaches, would you rank above Mike Zimmer in the coach of the year race? Or, like, who would your top three be? Uh, my number one would be McVay. The job that he's done. I mean, a 31 year old kid takes over a Rams team that had talent but was a complete mess and takes over a team with a quarterback who clearly was not um, maturing as hoped and that, that QB matures. Uh, I would put him one. I would actually, you know what? I would go uh, Sean McVay one. Zimmer two, Peterson three. I, I would have had Doug uh, ahead of Mike until the last few weeks, and it's not his fault that uh, Carson Wentz got hurt. But Zimmer, with with what he's done with that defense and, and the fact that he's confident enough in himself as a coach to turn over, over the offense to Shermer and the offense has basically thrived, I would go McVay, Zimmer, Peterson. Okay. It's a good list. I think McVay has to be your number one. What about Doug Marone in Jacksonville? Yes. I think he could be ahead of Zimmer. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know what you say. But, man, to turn around that franchise and uh, turn that into a defensive force, bring it to the playoffs, that's a pretty good job. How about Kyle Shanahan for squeezing five or six wins out of the end of that Niners season, there too? There you go. They're going to be good next year with Garoppolo. They should be. They're yeah. Make uh, John be Lynch executive of the year for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to have to pay Jimmy Garoppolo. They're either going to have to franchise him for, like, $23 million I just pay or him. pay him on a five-year deal or yeah. whatever it is. So he's going to make a lot of money either way. Um, I'm kind of with you guys. I would say... You know, my top three would go, I think it would go Sean McVay, number one, and then Doug Peterson, Mike Zimmer, right there at number two. Doug Marone, I would put Doug Marone a slight step behind Peterson and Zimmer because I think the Jaguars took advantage of a weaker AFC to get their win total bloated, uh, but that's a great defense. And you know what? Bill Belichick's in my top five because he's Bill Belichick. And the sure. great coaches, the truly great coaches, don't get enough love in this in this, like, how many times has Bill Belichick been voted Coach of the Year? Or Popovich, right? Or Popovich, yeah, in the NBA. It's almost never when you uh, go year by year. Uh, all right, let's go to this question here. How many here, or how many home teams are going to lose this weekend? Do you think in the NFL playoffs? You got Chiefs hosting Titans, Rams hosting Falcons, Jaguars hosting Bills, and Saints hosting Panthers. How many home teams will lose this weekend? David. David? My initial thought is one because it just seems like there has to be. But if you're asking me to pick all the games, I would pick all the home teams. <coughs> okay, I'll go. I'll go next year, Judd. Yeah, go I, ahead. Yeah, I go think ahead. it's one. Uh, I don't think the Rams are going to lose at home to the Falcons. I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose to the Titans. 
And I don't think the Saints are going to lose to the Panthers, but I think there's a really good chance that Blake Bortles throws four interceptions against the Buffalo Bills. And Tyrod Taylor finds a way to use his legs to keep plays alive against that Jacksonville defense in one of the ugliest, most unwatchable playoff games in years. I think the Bills go on the road and beat Jacksonville. I wasn't even giving them a chance. I was thinking Panthers would be my number one choice for an upset. My my top one, Falcons upset the Rams. Goff mm-hmm. starts to melt down a little bit. It's it's a, a high-pressure game. The stakes clearly change in, in the playoffs. I think the Rams eventually are going to be very good, but they're the type of team that strikes me as having the ability to definitely have a misstep in the playoffs. Falcons are a veteran team, pretty smart team. I think if I was to pick one, I would say Falcons upset the Rams in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's it's, an, it, it's hard to read the Rams. They've had a really good season. How sustainable is it? Uh, all right, another Vikings over-under here for you. Randy Moss and Steve Hutchinson are finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so let's take them off the board. Okay. After those guys, and it can be players that have played in the past before them or during their era or players who played with the Vikings after them, who will be the next finalists or next finalists? How, how many players will will be finalists going forward here for a Pro Football Hall of Fame that wore a Vikings uniform? Peterson obviously uh, comes right to mind. Here's the Here's the interesting question. What about Jared Allen? Yes. Throw that name to 100 him. And, yes. uh, 136 career sacks, 11th all-time. Every player uh, ahead of him on that list who has been re- retired a sufficient amount of time is in the Hall of Fame. What about Jared Allen? Yeah, I think there's you can poke holes in this game, obviously. Oh, sure. But as far as just a pure pass rusher, and he had the 20-plus sack season. And we like pass rushers. Yes. Kind of a specialist in some ways. Not an all-encompassing great defensive player. Didn't like but to defend the run too much. Yeah, he that game against Chicago. Hey, that guy's running away from me. Ah, whatever. Okay. Get the quarterback. Get the quarterback. <laughs> Get the quarterback. Where's Cutler? Yeah. So Adrian Peterson, Jared Allen. I wonder about like a Pat or a Kevin Williams. I think that's Hall of Very Good. Yes. For those two guys. Yes. Antoine Winfield might be between Hall of Very Good and Hall of Fame. He's not gonna he's not gonna wow you with the interception totals. I mean, you'd say he's one of the yeah, most reliable tacklers in the history of the he's NFL. He's a very but nice player. It's hard. He's like the hit specialist. He didn't really hit for power in baseball. Harrison Smith off this team right now. Yeah. Harrison well, he's Smith. He's going to make a Pro yeah, Bowl first. Make a but. Pro Bowl. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? He's going He's going to miss the, the Pro Bowl and be a first team All Pro, and that's what matters. <laughs> Harrison Smith is my current Viking. Can I think of anybody else from like the, the Brad Childress era Vikings? Steve Hutchinson was the star offensive lineman. John Sullivan never rose to that level. Burke, Although he's having a good bounce back season with the Rams this year. Burke was a nice player, but I not don't a Hall of Famer. He's not, I don't think so. No. Has he ever been up for even the early rounds before the finalists were announced? Last year, right? I think he was. Okay. Yeah, but no, I think uh, in in my mind, Peterson, Allen, and then eventually Harrison Smith. Are there oh, any tie. other? Yeah, Tai. Get out of the huddle. <laughs> the Hall of. Uh, Bonehead, I guess. The Hall of Bleeping yeah. Up is what that was. Uh, and then this one, Vikings over-unders. It's a very simple yes or no question. All right. Will the Vikings play? I think it's the fourth time we've done this this year. Will the Vikings play in the Super Bowl? Will the Vikings play <laughs> oh, in so the Super Bowl? It, yes. It remains so loaded. Oh. I agree with Dave. It's if yes. you're going to put odds, like a horse race, yeah, on no. every single team in the NFC. Yeah. Do they have the best odds? Well, let me let me give you some yes. some odds. I mean, they're here. the three to one horse, right? They're yes. the three to one favorite. Yes. All right, let me get, let me rephrase the question, okay? Because I right. know Judd feels uncomfortable going on this limb here. Judd, <laughs> Judd, Judd, like 
curled up in his chair when I, I asked this question. I don't want to do it. Oh, it's, so, it's such a dicey question. All right, I'm going to go. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some options on the fly here. Okay. So rank these in, in order of what's most likely to happen. Sure. A Super Bowl win, an NFC championship, so a Super Bowl appearance. Okay. Let's put the the classic, if you're 30 years old or younger, this is the only result you know. Heartache in NFC championship game. Okay. Or <laughs> something earlier, like an earlier exit than the NFC championship game. Okay. So I guess your first playoff game, you'd lose. If I was to rank these, I would go four. Four would be being upset, uh, for instance, on January 14th. So I would put that at the bottom of my list. Heartache in the NFC championship game, I would put three. Super Bowl win, I would put two. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go, yes. Representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And Dave's right. You know what's funny? I, I put the same rankings as you did. As you were, yeah. I, I put uh, division round loss four, heartache in the NFC championship game three, Super Bowl appearance number one, and then Super Bowl win number two, keep, most likely. I keep coming back to this question. Are, are we dismissing Philadelphia too much? But then I keep coming back to the answer. Nick Foles is playing quarterback for him. Yeah, they didn't score a point yeah. last week. Well, he, he played two series. Last okay, week. But so he can't didn't play. score a damn point. But, but you go from Carson Wentz, who was great, to Nick Foles. So it it feels like the Vikings are the top seed in the conference. It really if does. the Vikings play the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, by the time Bradford gets to ramp up three weeks of practice, the Vikings would have the two best quarterbacks in that game: yeah. Sam Bradford and Case Keenum. E- Eagles mistake. Dave, how would you it rank them? So divisional round loss, heartache in the NFC Championship game. Super Bowl appearance, Super Bowl win. Um, heartache is at the bottom. <laughs> I really think NFC Championship uh, loss is number three. It's hard to say Super Bowl win is going to uh, go over Super Bowl appearance. I, I can't make that leap quite yet. Just being that it's probably Belichick and the Patriots on the other side, and that's always a tough order, but we'll say Super Bowl uh, appearance is your top choice. Okay, so we all agree that yeah, of those choices, they're going to get to the Super Bowl, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> this is so dicey. You know, one of the so things dangerous. we haven't confronted, because it's been, you know, two generations since it happened, mm-hmm. the notion that they could get to the Super Bowl and then become the only team to ever have lost five Super Bowls. I don't think another team has lost five Super Bowls. Denver's lost five, haven't they? Yeah. yeah they've they lost five, but yes. obviously won a couple. Yes. Okay. Denver's lost five. They'd be the Buffalo only lost five team. Yes. They'd be, so that would be the record. They'd be the only 0-5 team. That's a reality we haven't confronted and will only confront for those two weeks between the elation of getting there and then the nervous energy that builds up to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But because the last appearance was so long ago, I don't know. That, that's a good question. How much would people actually be fixated or care? Like, once you get there, if you can, if this franchise can finally get past the hump of... 98 2009 are people going to be fixated on the Super Bowl and potentially losing five or is the fan base new enough now that they're just going to be like we made it yeah I mean like if you make if you make them consecutively or close together you you start to get fixated on the Super Bowl losses but a lot of these people just want to get past the hump of of choking in the NFC championship game (laughs) Yeah, but that would, I mean, that, I mean, what would you rather, at the, at the end of the oh, day? I know, like, yeah. I don't know. But it's I'm, all going to be very nervous until 
the Super Bowl is over. I think out of 100 people, 99 would be excited for the game. There would be Judd with the uh, sandwich board. But it could all go up well, in flames. Yeah. Listen, if you don't think for one second that we're being set up for some type of colossal downfall when that game is in our town, you have not been a Viking fan long enough. I mean, the fact that That's they have to use the visitor's locker room is funny to me, but that might have to happen. All I'm um, saying is it just feels a little bit hanky. Let's, uh, we're going to get Jim Peterson in about 15 or 20 minutes. Let's come back. You know, there are six head coaching vacancies in the NFL right now. How appealing are they, one through six? If you're like, if you're Pat Shermer and you're eyeing these jobs, and he's going to interview for at least four of them, it sounds like. John Gruden's going to take that Raiders job. How would we rank them, <laughs> Mackie and Judd? and Judd are back. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. 1500 ESPN. Their defense at home has only given up 12 points per game, best in the NFL. They've only given up eight touchdowns at home, fewest in the NFL. They're only giving up 240 yards Good numbers. per game, fewest in the NFL. I don't think anybody can beat the Vikings in Minnesota. And of course, what happens when your team is really good and uh, your offense is able to thrive with a third-string quarterback... And your defense is number one in the league, you start to lose coordinators to head coaching interviews and positions. Uh, so it sounds like Pat Shermer is going to interview with four different teams with head coaching vacancies this week, two in the division, Bears and Lions. He's also going to interview with the Cardinals and the Giants, according to uh, multiple reports. Ben, ben Gessling's been all over this for the Star Tribune. And uh, George Edwards, the defensive coordinator, is going to interview with the Bears. Uh-huh. Sounds like on Friday when they're in town to talk to Pat Shermer. They're trying to steal ideas is what they're doing. And then and that could very and well good be. Good for them. They should be. Now, okay, two, we'll get to our head coach vacancies ranked here in just a second. There's six of them. Raiders, Colts, Lions, uh, Bears, Cardinals, Giants. Uh-huh. If you're an African-American coordinator or up-and-coming position coach, whatever it may be, if you're let let's say we're talking about the Raiders, who are going to hire John Gruden for like ten million dollars a year, mm-hmm. but the NFL has the Rooney Rule. Mm-hmm. So if you're an African American head coaching candidate mm-hmm. and you get a phone call from the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders, yep, do you take the interview? Yep, experience. Good. I do in too. fact, yeah. in fact, I. I covered this exact same situation with Les Frazier before, um, after 2009, uh, Seattle came to, to him, and I think Pete Carroll was a done deal, basically. And uh, Seattle, he he basically, he flew in, uh, talked to, to the Seahawks. It was essentially a dog and pony show, but you know what? He said it's good experience. I think so it's I, take, I take the experience. I'm with you. I think it's twofold. If you've never interviewed before, if George Edwards, I don't think has ever interviewed for a head coaching job before, Nothing right? I know of, yeah. So if you're if you've never interviewed before, even if you're not going to get the job, it probably helps just to get the get the nerves out of the way or get the presentation honed. And if you do it four or five more times, you know, by the time Mike Zimmer interviewed for the Vikings job, he was kind of by his own admission, I'm 60 years old. I'm 58 years old. I'm as loosey-goosey in this interview. He was sick as, of it by that point. Right, which probably went to his advantage because this is who I am. This is the raw Mike Zimmer, and I'm not nervous about this. Not that he was nervous for previous interviews. But I think the other reason why you would take the interview, even though it's all just a charade, mm-hmm. if you interview well, it's possible that other teams would then— you Maybe you hire John Gruden, but you say, you know what? That's so-and-so. That was a really good interview— well, I'm going to tell a couple other teams about it. Perfect example, Mike Tomlin. Well, he just got the job. No, no, but I mean, Mike, they, they, the story that, that I've always heard was the Steelers were going to hire Russ Grimm. 
so they were basically set on Grimm. And then, but then of course, wasn't the, it, or the was Steelers it, was it Grimm? This, yeah, I think it was Russ Grimm. I think he, he had been an assistant coach on Cowher's staff. Okay. Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Pittsburgh uh, Tribune reported that Grimm had the job. And, and, but to, to satisfy the league's requirements, they, they reached out to Tomlin, who, their were, own rule, by the way. Yeah. And, <laughs> and at that time, Tomlin was what, 36 or something, 35? I mean, really young. One year as the defensive blew, coordinator for Childress. And blew them away. My question would be this. If if the Raiders call you and you tell them to buzz off, what do you gain from that? Because to to me, it's absolutely nothing. Like there's no there's no good flip side to telling Oakland bleep you. I I I know what what you're doing. I take the experience. I talk to them. I probably don't get the job, or I don't for sure. But you but if you say no, that's also going to be spread around the league yeah. as well. So I just take it and go talk to them. So let's leave the Raiders on the board for this conversation, even though they're. They're not going to have a vacancy for long, it sounds like, unless there's a falling out in this negotiation between John Gruden and uh, Mark Davis. So six head coaching vacancies. How would you rank them in order of appeal? Okay. My number one, Oakland. Got a quarterback. You've got a good team. Uh, th- things went sideways this year, but I still think it's a good franchise. They're going to move. They're, g- they're going to be in a very favorable situation. I put them one. Two, and I do this with real reservation, because the owner is psychotic, Indianapolis. If Andrew Luck comes back, he is a generational quarterback still. Now, if I if I do some insiding and I find out that his shoulder's still a mess, I probably drop them a lot on my list. But if I have the opportunity to coach Andrew Luck, if my starting point for an offense is is Luck, you know, I basically put them two. On uh, number three on my list, I put Detroit. Got a quarterback. Offense, they they've got some problems, but I still think with with where they stand with Stafford, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, number four on my list is the Chicago Bears. Number five, the Cardinals, and my last team is the Giants. Really? Yeah, I don't I don't like the Giants. I mean, they're they're going to draft a quarterback, but I think the Eli thing was handled so poorly that they're going to bring him back as well now. Well, they but they fired the guys who handled the Eli thing, right? Too. Right. But what I'm saying is, I think if you take that job. The, the people that own the Giants are going to say, well, we, we want Eli to start for a year or two more. I'm not saying it's a terrible job, uh, but the one, the one that could fall the quickest is if Luck's shoulder is not sound, I'm out on the Colts. But if he can come back, I think the Colts job could be a fabulous job because of him. So we are pretty similar, but we have a couple major differences here. I, um, I, our top three is the exact same. And and the same reservations about the Colts with the Raiders. You know you're getting Derek Carr. He maybe he's not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but he's definitely one of the bright young quarterbacks in the NFL. A ton of upside and potential there. And uh, it sounds like John Gruden's going to take the job, and John Gruden should be able to to help mold Derek Carr. He already spent time with Derek Carr in his Gruden's quarterback camp, so I have no doubt that John Gruden and Derek Carr is going to be in. It's going to be a good partnership, and if if Derek Carr can play, it'll work well. Mm-hmm. So. If you're Pat Shermer and you're looking at these teams, too, I would say the same thing. I I, I get Derek Carr and the excitement of moving to Las Vegas and uh, rejuvenation. Raiders are number one. If Andrew Luck is healthy, you can put up with the bad owner. You can put up with the lack of infrastructure on defense and the offensive line. Go fix those things because if Andrew Luck is healthy, you get to ride him to 11 win seasons, even when you don't have the rest of your roster intact. So I would put the Colts number two. I almost put the Lions number two. In fact, I'm going to make an audible on the fly here. 
Lions number two because of the uncertainty of Andrew Luck. Matthew Stafford is in the prime of his career. He's a rock-solid Tier 2 quarterback, maybe even with a little more upside than that. You've got an offense to toy with here, Marvin Jones. And if you look at the Lions, we still think of them as being kind of a joke and, you know, they barely ever go to the playoffs. They've only been to the playoffs three times in the last, like, 20 years. Well, their last four seasons, 7-9, and 11-5 in a playoff berth, 7-9, and 9-7 in a playoff berth, and 9-7 and seven this year, mm-hmm. scoring more points than they've scored since 2011, over 400 points scored offensively. So they're right there on the verge. Now, it's a really tough division because it's the Vikings defense, it's Aaron Rodgers. Right. And it's two teams, basically. Yeah, but if you're Detroit, you're taking over, you get a really good quarterback, and you're not trying to get them from three wins to nine. You're trying to go from nine wins to 11 to 12, and you're going to play a pretty favorable schedule because of where you finished in the division, you're not going to play the, the the best schedule. You didn't finish number one in the division. Uh, so I would say Detroit, number two on my list. All right, jumping to number four. I put the Giants four. Stable organization. And I like the Eli situation because you get to draft whoever you want, number two overall. And then he gets to sit, if you want, behind Eli for the whole first season. Almost like when Eli got to sit behind Kurt Warner for a chunk of time in 2004. And Eli didn't figure it out until like year four in the league. So you get a chance to put Eli in there for a full year. You can even just tell everyone involved, Eli starting this year. We're going to draft you, Josh Rosen, or whoever falls to number two, and yeah. you're not going to play. Not like the Bears say Trubisky's not going to play, and then they pull the plug on Mike Glennon after five minutes. But you play in a month. You are not going to play. Eli Manning is going to play, and you can go fix the offensive line. That Giants team still has a chance if Odell Beckham comes back. Uh, they're not going to be a dumpster fire next year. So I'm putting them number four. But a stable organization. They're not They're not going to fire a coach every five minutes like Cleveland. Number five, Chicago Bears. I'm not sold on Mitch Trubisky, but at least I know that I have a young quarterback and a viable top 10 defense, unlike the Cardinals, whose starting quarterback just retired. Larry Fitzgerald is in his mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Patrick Peterson is aging. And uh, David Johnson's coming back, but... Boy, outside of the weather. Gotta go sign guys there. I don't know, man. Gotta go sign guys. That's a window that is not going to open anytime soon, and you're playing in the same division as the upstart surging 49ers, the Rams, and the Seahawks. If you're Shermer and and you take the Cardinals job. Who's your quarterback? Case Keenum. Case Keenum's my quarterback, and McKinnon's in my backfield, and Johnson's in my backfield. But you've been pounding on the, I don't trust Case Keenum. Oh, I don't. I don't. So then why would you trust him in Arizona? Because he might like him. I'm just saying that. But if that's you not going to win you games. But if you take if you take that job, you're going to have to go recruit guys quickly. So you think Case Keenum and an aging roster? A lot of people here like Case is going to be better than Russell Wilson. A lot of people like Case Keenum here. That's the fourth best team by a mile in that division. I wouldn't touch that roster. If I had five other choices, I you wouldn't don't touch want that roster. Challenge. You don't want the challenge. <laughs> no, I'd rather just get Matthew Stafford. Or you might have Sam Bradford. What happened last time Pat Shermer went to a, collapse. a vacant cupboard, no quarterback, head coaching well, Cleveland, job? It's not fair to compare any other situation in, in this league to Cleveland, right? Well, the Cardinals, I mean, Cleveland were, the is Cardinals a special were a type pretty hell. close dumpster fire for a long time Yes, until Kurt Warner and, and Larry Fitzgerald. changed. I think, I think when uh, Bill Bidwell's kid got in charge, he changed 
lots of things there. They were the Cardinals were a complete dumpster fire with Bidwell for a long time. Yeah. I think that group has changed uh, in in how how they operate and who they're willing to sign. I'm just saying, like in, in that division, yeah, fine. the Rams aren't going away, the Niners aren't going away. Mm-hmm. Not that they've got their quarterback and they've got their head coach, and Russell Wilson is in the middle of his prime. I wouldn't want to be the fourth team in that division with empty cupboards. I just think, as far as as Shermer possibly goes, I think the Bears are a perfect fit. If you but like if Mitch if Trubisky, you're, can't play. No, no, I know. But if you, but if you're Shermer and and you like Trubisky, you're stepping into a situation with a good defense, right? If you think Trubisky can play, and and you can work with him, I think that's really intriguing. And plus, you, if you're the Bears, you get a guy that knows all the Viking secrets. That really, if I'm Chicago, Pat Shermer really intrigued me. It's also possible that Pat Shermer just isn't head coaching material; that he's just North he's just Turner. a career coordinator and um, back in his prime. It'd be nice if Wade teams Phillips. found that out before they hired him as head coach, so he could just stay as coordinator of the Vikings. He's going to be in for a raise no matter what if he stays with the Vikings, though. Uh, let's catch up with Jim Peterson next. Talk some Timberwolves. Fourth in the Western Conference right now. They're winning a bunch of games. Jim Peterson joins us next. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I just associate it with dummies. Mackey and Judd. They think that they're, you know what, don't stink, and they know everything. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackey and Judd. Uh, the Timberwolves, man, it's not very often in the last 15 years you look and see a Timberwolves team in January playing uh, a lot of relevant games, and that's where they find themselves in the Western Conference right now, fourth place in the West, and uh, their schedule picks up big time here in the the coming weeks. Uh, They've been fortunate to get some teams with injured players, but uh, we're going to get to see the Timberwolves against the Rockets quite a bit, Golden State, uh, LeBron James coming up here, but Jim Peterson, Fox Sports North, we always appreciate your insights. Thank you for joining us, and we'd love for you, I saw you tweet this earlier today, the, the hidden value of Tyus Jones on the court this season. You were tweeting out ESPN.com's real plus minus numbers, and he's one of the 25 best players in the NBA, according to real plus minus. Uh, Cats in that mix, Jimmy Butler. What is real plus minus? Explain to our listeners, and why is Tyus Jones so effective this year? Well, you know, they, they do plus minus. I mean, basically just raw plus minus of, um, you know, what happens when you're on the floor in terms of score. So, you know, there's always a, a, a game total. And, I you know, Stat sheet plus minus statistics kind of bother me sometimes because, you know, lineup combinations impact, uh, you know, those plus minus scores a lot. But, um, and then when you even look at on off, though, like when they're off the floor versus when they're on the floor, what happens? And some of that is still plus minus driven, but um, it's just a metric to be able to, um, to figure out someone's value on the court. Um, and it's, and you know, it's it's another one of those metrics you got to go through the statistical analysis to figure out what the value of it is. And I think I think real plus minus is fine. You know, it's it's just another way to measure players um, with you know within the um, the framework of the game. And so Tyus is a difficult pay- player to quantify because he doesn't score and he doesn't necessarily do anything that he doesn't stuff the stat sheet, so to speak. You know what I mean? Um, so then, how do you find someone of value and I just, you know, I I know what plus minus is because I've, I've tracked it before, and I I never really I didn't know who invented it though. So I went I just went I wanted to know who because I thought Kevin Pelton invented it, um, but he did not. And when you look at the article of why it was invented, it was an article talking about Tom Thibodeau talking about Taj Gibson and, and his value with the Bulls compared to Jamal Crawford's value with you know the Clippers, 
And I just thought it was interesting because um, both of those players are on our team now, you know. And they're two guys that it's difficult to quantify their, their you know, additions to the game because Taj is, Taj is you know, he does, he does different things on the floor than a Jamal Crawford does who's getting buckets. You know, Taj does all that hard hat stuff, you know, that is so valuable that we've seen firsthand why it's valuable. With Tyus, you know, Tyus, his defense is probably the, the biggest factor for me, like what he's improved because he was, um, he was hard to put on the floor sometimes because he was, he was overmatched. And, um, and now defensively, I mean, he gets after it. And, and not only is he a good on ball defender, he, get, he negotiates ball screens well, but it's, it's his anticipation, the way that he's getting steals now, Phil and Judd, you know, it's, it's, it's uncanny. You can't teach what he does out there in yeah. terms of, you know, um, he's on the weak side and he's all of a sudden going to shoot the gap, you know, at a timely, not, not gambling because he's smart or, you know, the way he just gets his hands on, on, on deflections. Um, it's just, uh, it's deflections and, and, and doing those kinds of things, being in the right spot, being a great help defender, getting through a ball screen so you don't need extra help. Um, where the big doesn't need to stay too long. The bigs have to stay a long time in ball screen actions. Um, you need you need too much help in your liability on the floor. Well, Ty's doesn't. Um, and then and then by the way, he's also fun to play with because he sets teams up, teammates up so well. He he doesn't have sticky fingers. Um, he gets rid of the basketball. Um, he he delivers catchable passes that are um, you know you're able to catch and shoot it quickly so defenders can't close out to you and. And those kinds of things, like, you know, it, the difference between having to reach up above your shoulders and head to catch a ball that's kind of errant past, errantly passed, uh, if you can just catch it in your shot pocket and shoot it right away versus having to, you know, catch it above your head, bring it down to your chest, then load it up to shoot it. I mean, the difference between that and, and not is, is you know, terms of whether you make the shot or not. And so Tyus does all these little things, right? And, and, um, it's just fun that plus minus that the, that the RPM pick, picks it up because it passes the eye test for me. When Tyus is up there like that, it's like, okay, they're seeing the value of what this guy has been showing us when he's been out there all the time. And, and even when he wasn't playing a lot, I thought Tibbs was underutilizing him when, when Teague was playing. I thought Teague was being overplayed a lot of times um, because Tyus is out there doing his thing. So I just, I'm happy for Tyus because, you know, those of us in Minnesota, we've watched Tyus for a long time, and I've really watched Tyus for a long time because, you know, his brother JD, um, who's the coach now at, at Apple Valley, JD was one of my guys' team guys for the Minnesota Lynx, and Tyus would come too, but um, Tyus was a little younger. JD was um, really good player, so you know, Tyus would come with my son Sanjay when they were in in high school and come be on the Lynx guy teams guy, and so you know. I just saw what a little competitor Tyus was when he was a, a punk kid in 10th grade, <laughs> yeah. you know, competing against Lindsey Whalen. Um, and so, and then, you know, we even had a little tray. I had to get Trey off the court one day. The players were, some of Augustus was like telling me, Jim Pete, you got to get, you got to get Trey off the court, man. He's like too little. Like, you can't, he, he, you can't you know, keep with, up. With JD, with JD and Tyus, you know, uh, Trey wanted to be out there too, and and so like we, you know, Trey's just grown up to be this incredibly talented young kid now too. So the Jones family, Debbie Jones, you know, um, is is a good friend, and uh, Rob's dad is is a great guy. I've known him for a long time, and 
Um, and so when you see this family, how great they are, and, and you see Tyus growing up before our eyes, I'm just I'm so happy that now he's doing it for my team, my, my Timberwolves team, and, he, and he's playing so well. And it, it, I just am super excited for him. Hey, Jim, how, how far has this team uh, come in the past month? And in your mind, what are the key things that have started to evolve or change uh, to have the success that they have of, uh, of late? Well, I th- you know, Jimmy's been an MVP-type player. Um, and then Cat is now, you know, in the month of December, Cat has started to figure it out. I think that Cat is defensively now. Um, he's gotten so much better. He's watching the film. I think he's been, um, you know, um, reprimanded by Tibbs enough now where I think, you know, he's finally getting it. <laughs> and I was saying this the last game, I had a breakdown of Carl's uh, assisting um, because um, there – there are two players who are, are not very fun to play with. Um, ones that don't help defensively and they won't play defense. They, they aren't, they're never there for their teammate. They're only concerned about if their man, or, man scores or not, um, and they're not good team defenders. The other guy is the guy that will pass, you know, the guy that's the black hole and that is taking bad shots and, and, and trying to shoot over double teams and through double teams and, um, and and those those two things are very frustrating to play with, and so I mean I I get to see the looks on players' faces sometimes when cats would, would cat would take some of these shots that he was taking, and, and you guys probably could too. Um, that that cat wasn't making the next pass um, enough, um, and so but what's happened in December is his his um, shot blocking and assisting have have both had huge upticks upticks. And um, the, the kinds of passes that Carl's making now out of double teams have been a thing of beauty. I mean, they've been, they've been textbook in terms of uh, when the double team comes, not only just throwing it out, because, like, there are a lot of guys who are, who are good at um, getting double teamed and throwing it out in such a way that, that it, it can't be shot quickly, and the defense reacts to them, gets back to them, and now they have to throw it back in again. Um, where Carl's throwing it back out right on target. And um, and he's making the next pass. Like, the pick-and-roll game, if they're throwing it to him um, in, on the roll and he's being rotated to, he's finding that person that's wide open on the perimeter now, which is something he wasn't doing before. So, you know, I think between Butler's greatness, Towns' all-star level play, um, you know, Taj Gibson, I just can't say enough about what he's he's brought to the mix. I think a lot of people are kind of skeptical um, for the money that they paid him and that he wasn't a, a, a quote-unquote efficient player and that he didn't, he didn't stretch the floor. I think that people were wringing their hands a bunch about Taj that um, he, he's not a, a three-point shooter, which is, you know, in a lot of people's minds what you need from that position during this time, time and place. And I mean, he just does so many other things that are just so monumentally important. Um, you know, the incredible high rebound rate, his, his efficiency. I mean, shooting seven, 70% from the field. Yeah, that's um, absurd. In, in, in the month of December. So, I mean, like, um, he, there's so many things. But I, I just think that, that Tyus's part of it can't be understated. Um, that, that you can have a guy come off the bench and... Um, and give you that, and then if he becomes a starter, it's like a Patty Mills. You know, people are asking me if Tyus is a, a starting point guard in this league, and, and I say there's nothing wrong with being Patty Mills, right? I mean, um, you know, he may not be a starter. I mean, Steve Kerr 
was never really a starter in this league. Uh, Jason Terry's been a been a perennial uh, backup off the bench kind of six man kind of player. Scott Brooks was Earl Watts, and there's a, there's a bunch AJ Barea, and there's a bunch of them um, through the history of the game. But um, I just think that if you're Tyus, he, he doesn't worry about any of that. He just wants to win, and that's all he's ever done throughout his career. Yeah, Jim, Jim Peterson with us here, Mackie and Judd uh, talking Wolves. They play. Uh, the Nets, they get LeBron here coming up in the next week, so there's going to be a bunch of fun games on the schedule. Boston on national TV this Friday night, and then, uh, well, then you get the you get New Orleans, too, so you get all, all kinds of star power here, and then Oklahoma City next week. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, I think our listeners are probably sick of me complaining about Andrew Wiggins the last few years and shot selection. What have you seen from him? Uh, it's year four from him. It, it felt like early in the season especially, and the numbers kind of stack up to this point. Half of his shots are from 16 feet and beyond, and he's just not hitting enough of those to make it an efficient shot. Um, what is he having trouble? Do you think finding his own identity as a player? I mean, he did grab nine rebounds the other night, and that would be an awesome thing to add on a regular basis. But what do you see when you look at Wiggins, Jim Pete? I mean, it's a you know I don't want to I don't want to rail on Andrew too much because he he's got so much value. Let me just say um, that I think that he, there's room for growth. There's room for growth with Andrew, um, and that's and that's the positive thing. I, you know, Andrew's not one of those players. I mean, he's an athlete, and and he he's a basketball player, yes, but he's not he's not super skilled at any one particular thing. I mean, he's he's not he's not a knockdown shooter. He's not an incredibly deft ball handler. He he, we you know I think everybody thinks he he he's should be a, a you know an elite level defender, but he's not yet. You know he's just not. Um, and so I think that I'm I'm still holding out hope that see, him having him watch Jimmy Butler every day and just being around Jimmy's greatness will rub rub off on him. And I think that's what's going to end up happening. I think that he's sort of in this this. Um, dormant stage right now of becoming the next thing that he's going to become. And I think that Jimmy's helping him sort of go into that cocoon and reinvent himself because he, he doesn't have just the sheer usage rate that he had before Jimmy Butler. Um, and so now he's got to figure out other ways and that are sort of in the intangible column to be able to help his team. And, and, you know, some of that, why can't it be offensive rebounding? Why can't he go in there? I mean, he's six foot eight. Uh, and he's an incredible athlete. I mean, he can jump out of the gym. He should go in there and, and be grabbing an offensive rebounder to a game and, and get some putbacks. Um, he should be running the floor, and he's been doing that. Um, he's really a good off-the-ball cutter. I mean, like, you know, when he cuts, like, you know, he's not going to have the ball in his hand playing in isolation anymore. That's, you know, that's not his job anymore. It's Jimmy Butler's job to do that. Yeah. And so he's got to find other ways to do it. He's got he's to be a smarter player. And so that's the job of this coaching staff. He's he's been um, a source of consternation for me every game. I mean, for, for fans in general, I think that um, the main thing for me is you've got to play hard. You know, Phil, that that's you playing hard is is the is the is the most important thing that you can do. And Andrew, you know, waxes and wanes in that in that regard. So I just I just think that people want to see a level of intensity that he doesn't have, and and it, that. Um, or at least not to this date, and and so I just think that that, that Jimmy Butler is going to lift all the boats. You know what I mean? He's Jimmy is, is is lifting the boats because not only is Jimmy great in isolation or in ball screens, but 
he's assisting at a high rate. I mean, this guy is, is grabbing. He rebounds his position great. You know, he, he locks his man down. He, he, he finds open players when he's, when, he's, uh, when he's scoring all these points. He's still finding six, seven, eight, nine assists in a game. Um, that's what the great ones do. And, and Andrew does have the ability. It's just that he's just not there yet. And, and I think I'm holding out hope, and I, I still think that there's room for growth with Andrew. And then he's, he's going to find that, that gear. I, yep. I really do believe it. Yep, Jim Pete, man, great stuff. Thanks, We're having Jim. fun watching the Wolves, and you and uh, you and Dave Benz are doing a great job as always. So uh, we'll see what the next couple months bring. Hey, it's going to be fun. Okay, thanks, right. guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it for sure, man. Jim Peterson, oh, uh, great one stuff. of our favorite guests. He's yeah, he fantastic. just like he, you know, he is one. If you watch NBA League Pass, and you, yep, it's probably easy to take for granted. Oh, we watch Jim Pete every night. You compare him, especially to some of the other local color commentators. Oh, he's one of the best. His level of knowledge yes. and his ability to explain and critique yep. is so much different than most of the other ones. I have a Wolves power take for you when we come back. All right, a hot Wolves take. Woo. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey. I'm a big fan of yours, man. I'm a big fan. Judd Zolgad. Why can't you be enthusiastic and quirky? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd, thank you to Jim Peterson. Always super insightful. And we only got three questions in. Like, yeah, he's just he's bursting at the seams with basketball knowledge, and that's awesome. That's just fun. let him run with it. But um, I don't know. This is This probably isn't. A super hot wolves take, but it's pretty hot. You teased it's pretty it's hot. really hot. So I'm well, it depends for, on I'm your perspective. Piping, I'm I'm looking forward to piping. Jimmy Butler's not the best player on this team. Carl uh, Anthony Towns has been the best player on this team. Jimmy Butler's been the heartbeat and the most influential player, raising the water level, impacting the defense. But Carl Anthony Towns on the down low, very quietly, and he's not a perfect player. His defense has gotten a lot better month by month. If if you look at like some of his defensive uh, plus minus ratings and some of the advanced numbers, they were horrific to start the year. And they've been much, much better. We're not talking about Ben Wallace here in his prime, but much better in the last month. Carl Anthony Towns very quietly leads the Timberwolves. All right. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Thank you. Fine. I was going to let her finish before I... Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Hey, let's... Hey, sometimes... Listen... When you're a revolutionary, yeah. when you're a visionary, sometimes you go, sometimes you go gotta to the do, bar you gotta do the for time. happy hour. You got to do the time. You Feel free to beer. finish your point. This is basically you walking the line here. You're trying to touch the nose with the outstretched hand. Yep. So uh, <laughs> yep. you I, better do I, really good here, Phil. I thought Let the nachos would offset that fifth beer I had for happy hour, officer. <laughs> <laughs> I ate. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a very close second in terms of the best player on the team. Let me give you a few examples, all right? And you're going to laugh. Like Nothing I can say is going to convince you, and that's fine. I'm not saying Jimmy Butler has not been a great player as well. That's what I'm hearing. But Carl Anthony Towns leads the Wolves in effective field goal percentage, which is not just like field. It's like OPS, basically. Effective field goal percentage. He's their best three-point shooter all of a sudden this year. Mm-hmm. Now, Bielitsa has a slightly higher percentage. He's also missed half the season so far. So until he qualifies again, we're going to, uh, we're going to make him earn it. But Carl Anthony Towns is over 40% from downtown as a seven-footer this year. He leads the team in rebounding and blocks, and he's fifth in the NBA in win shares, which is an all-encompassing. There's like two or three all-encompassing stats. Real plus minus is one of them. Jim P. brought that up. Uh, There's player efficiency rating. I like win shares. It's kind of whatever your preference is. 
behind only Harden, LeBron, the Greek Freak, and Kyrie Irving. Now, Butler's eighth in the NBA, so it's, it goes Towns fifth and Butler eighth. Yeah. So those two guys, and there's been a bunch of, Taj has been great, Teague has been very solid before uh, the injury, mm-hmm. and uh, off the bench, Tyus Jones, but Carl Anthony Towns has been the Wolves' best player so far this season. Pull, it's okay, pull me over. You get one phone call. So you can call your lawyer, call whoever. I just gave you evidence. I yeah, just, I I just, and, I just and supported I think, my case. And I think I think supporting your case and combining stats with the eye test is very good. But I think what you're doing here is you're giving me stats. And we all agree that Carl Anthony Towns could be a fantastic player and, and is already very, very, very good. But Jimmy Butler is this team's best player. Jimmy Butler is this team's best player. His ability to prove, do, prove it. His his come on, Judd, prove his it. His ability to do so many different things on the court and Towns that transform that transform the team who hits three pointers passes out of double teams make him the team's best player. He's the Wolves' best player. Jimmy Butler is the best defensive player on the Wolves. Him and Taj Gibson. Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in the NBA. So is yeah. Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, but Jimmy Towns is a better offensive player than Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy Butler's game right now is is more complete than Towns is, and he's the team's best player. Car- See, I don't know if I would agree with that either. Mate, really? What, what do you mean by more complete? Well, first that, of all, that, that first of all, his, his defensive prowess makes him absolutely unbelievable. And Carl Anthony Towns, we're debating literally be, like yes. two of the best ten players in the league. I, so this is <laughs> hey, you wanted this. Well, I think I, to call I think not, to call I'm not him, backing down I, from my point. I think to call him the Wolves best player is to miss what the eye test has shown us, which is that Jimmy Butler is the best player on this team. It doesn't mean a year from now it might not change. It might, but he's the team's best player. I think the simple part of the eye test is one still looks lost defensively sometimes. And sure. one is completely in control defensively. And one can be an absolute lockdown defender, yep. whereas, you know, Carl, he's still spinning in circles once in a while. You know, I, until he fixes that, yeah, sorry, it's it's Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's this team's best player. There's, can we agree that there's a, that it's that those two guys are incredible? Yeah, oh, and then yeah, there's I'm a not... pretty huge gap. And if you were to take that a, a step further, uh, I don't know if any team in the league has two guys who are that good, uh, like top ten good on their roster right now. But to Jim Pete's point, Gibson has been incredible too. He's going to be so tired in about two months. I know, and he'll <laughs> be. Dude. And this whole team, this whole team could could be completely fried by by March. But he doesn't Taj need to be Gib- playing for 35 Taj, minutes. Taj Gibson has been incredible. Yeah. He, I mean, for what he was expected to do and the payoff that you've gotten from him, Jim Pete's exactly right. Yeah, they have. If they had, if if Shabazz Muhammad, if you could take if you could play the role all. that he was supposed to play, and if you got Bielitsa back as a shooter, if you could take the role Shabazz Muhammad was supposed to play yes. and just like replace him with a really competent, defensive minded, three point shooting wing player. Yep. Well, this team would be maybe even two more notches up in the Western Conference, and this is the best team we've seen in 14 years. Didn't I see that that when they were blowing out uh, LA a couple nights ago, that Shabazz couldn't even get off the bench then? They didn't even bring him off the bench yeah. then. I mean, Shabazz is a non-factor now, complete non-factor. He just doesn't play. Yeah, they're gonna have to find someone here. Trade deadline's coming up in February, but yeah, this has been it's been fun to watch, and they've been a lot. They look like they're having more fun over the past three or four weeks too. But they get the schedule picks up. They get the Nets, and then they get at Boston, mm-hmm. the Pelicans, the Twin Towers. Oh, Saturday night here, yeah. Uh, Cleveland, to Marcus Cousins, Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook, a no pushover Knicks team, Portland at Orlando at Houston. So, as prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. 
Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details.